1: Molo, Sanbonani, hello, how's it? Shalom. Oh my goodness, is it not good to be back on the airwaves? We have missed you guys. I hope for all my Jewish listening fans that uh, we enjoyed the holidays and uh, that we're refreshed and uh, that Hashem's light is shining on us all today. Of course, I'm not alone as usual. I have my co-host in studio, Sara Gone. Sara, good morning. Hi, Sikhlet. Hi. It is really good to be back, isn't mm-hmm. it? it? It seems like a, a really long time. It does feel like a long time. Um. <laughs> But yeah, guys, we are super happy to be back. I'm your host, of course, Big Daddy Liberty. Guys, we have a jam-packed show for you later on today. Just to give you a heads up, we have the Centre for Risk Analysis uh, chief economist, Mr. Ian Crookshanks, who'll be talking to us about the mining industry. Um, you know, what do we need to know about mining? Is it a industry that is seeing its sunset years in this country? Is there space to open it up to entrepreneurs, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? And what about the crime in that sector? So we'll have that conversation, um, as our main feature for today, but, um, Sarah, there's mm-hmm. three interesting tidbits Or um, or rather I- Incidents that I, I want to sort of touch on um, The first is The Institute of Race Relations Launched a common sense campaign Now before I just open this one up um, We will have the uh, Head of campaigns and Chief editor of the Daily Friend website here next week His name is Marius Roet mm-hmm. He'll talk to us about this campaign in greater detail But essentially this campaign Argues that South Africans Actually are quite a commonsensical people Aren't we? Uh,
2: uh, it essentially belies everything the politicians Say is, and that is that People have common sense, they know what is good for themselves They know what is good for their families They have an absolutely realistic idea that What they need is to be able to dictate their fate By holding down the, uh, the jobs they want Pursuing the education they, th- they believe they need um, And being, in, being in as independent as possible from, from government rule And that obviously significantly
1: requires The right to own property Absolutely And you know, there's a few other things in it That I think you guys will find quite interesting If you want to find that report um, Just to sort of read it ahead of time Please go to the IRR website That's irr.org.vn ZA, and look for their common sense campaign. Again, there's some really interesting insights because um, it's based on polling and a lot of data um, around South Africans and what exactly we, we want as people and how we view society and how most of us are actually rather non-racial in how we approach issues. But the politicians, unfortunately, drive the race narrative. But anyway, let's move on. Sara, there is the other big um, news item which I am personally super excited about, the killing of <laughs> that mass murdering evil... Dick, uh, I will not call him a dictator but rather um tyrant. in a tyrant if you will who was at the helm of ISIS um al-baghdadi the americans took him out good news i think
2: in reality it's the only thing you can do because you're not dealing with a conventional enemy you you can't fight a conventional enemy and ultimately come to the negotiation table with a guy like um with with a guy like baghdadi he's he's so inten- everything about him is 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 radical yeah uh, it's uncompromising and the and the end game is always going to be one way or the other and fortunately it was the one way and sadly he in fact Committed suicide by blowing himself up as when the Americans were
1: were pursuing him, yeah. and he took three of his children That's, with him. Um, but I, I mean, it, it speaks to to the depravity and the pure evil that we're dealing with when it comes to radical Islamic terrorism. Mm-hmm. You know, these are people who do not value human life. They do not value, um, essentially peaceful societies around the world, and want to spread a radical, hateful ideology. And it's actually up to good people, like. The rest of us, and including, by the way, the Muslim community, mm. who are opposed to this. I mean, I think sometimes we forget that these guys actually represent a, a minority—a very violent mm. and vocal minority, of course—but a minority mm. of the Muslim community all around the world. Um, but I wanted to get to the, the, the interesting bit. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the U.S. president um, in announcing that uh, they, they've, they've nailed this guy um, in, in classic Donald Trump style, isn't it? Um, you know, we found him in a cave, and the dog went. <laughs> after him like just absolutely <laughs> dramatic. Like, like it, 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 I often sometimes go. We live in a weird clown world where the absurd has become the norm, isn't it? Well, the, the absurd is the norm. I mean, the, the, he,
2: Donald Trump, did what, as you said, what Donald Trump does. Uh-huh. He owned it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and not, the, not uh, Barack Obama did not own a uh, killing uh, Osama bin Laden. Donald Trump owned it, and it, it, what it does, in fact, is is completely
1: contradict. His desire to withdraw American troops from Syria. Yes. Um, as a last thought on this, um, you know, there's this, this funny memes going around now because this morning he tweeted, uh, he declassified the image of the heroic dog that chased after Baghdadi in, <laughs> in the tunnels. And the memes on this, guys, online, please, if you do have a time, uh, a moment, go to social media on Twitter. Um, okay. And have a look at some of the memes that are going on about this dog. It's absolutely fantastic. But guys, as we maybe move on to um, another more serious issue, um, our politicians in this country, again, the race merchants, um, the race baiting, the mayor of um, Miss, uh, uh Masina, excuse me, and the MEC of Education in this country, after a wonderful win by the Springboks, then tweaked a false, a fake picture, really, of some guy holding a South African flag, the current South African flag. Um, but essentially, it was doctored in a way to look like the old one in terms mm-hmm. of its colors. And, of course, these two politicians went on about mm-hmm. how whites are, you know, or you can never associate with whites and blah, 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 you know, sort of that sort of uh, rhetoric that we hear from our politicians. Are we not tired as South Africans of the race-baiting politicians?
2: I think we are, and I think the problem is that the politicians are working on the basis that people think the way they do. People Generally, people move ahead far quicker than they do, and I'm not sure that the race-baiting has quite the... um, the, 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 traction it once did. And, you, you know, these guys, Panyaza who who is a race baiter of note, yeah. um, particularly in his area of education, for the first time in his life, he had to apologize for being a, an idiot and jumping to conclusion. Yeah. And that's the, that's one of the worst things about that sort of race baiting.
1: Absolutely. It, it was, I must be honest, very encouraging to see a, Swell if you will of South Africans Online Mm. actually calling these Two politicians out and saying enough Mm. Enough of the you know tacit Racism um, and you know Sort of um, the suggesting that somehow The society can't be cohesive That you know it needs some politicians Mm. To always point out some Racism bogeyman if you will um, As almost a distraction at times
2: Well it's a distraction and it is Divisive and is obviously intended to be divisive From a political point of view But the common sense in people is not That's not where I think people are at Mm. And I think that
1: that that disjunction is starting to become very apparent Absolutely Maybe it's a final thought on on this particular issue Because it really did get to me Um, South Africans are for the most part As we mentioned in our first Mm -hmm. bit commonsensical mm-hmm. and deeply opposed to racism and racializing of issues, and actually want to build a society where we view each other as individuals, mm-hmm. we accord each other the same rights and respect, and of course we protect each other's property rights in whatever context that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a political elite in this country. By the way, it's not just uh, preservely in the in the ANC, you'll find them in other parties mm-hmm. too, including in the Democratic Alliance, um, which is why the recent events there have been a weird bre- breath of fresh air, I suppose. But the, the question I want to put, put to you was, You'll find these race-baiting politicians In all political parties mm. And it always comes as a, a, a relief Isn't it, when seemingly The race-baiting ones are pushed out mm. Let's talk about the DA very quickly okay. It seems like um, John Steenhayzen uh, former Chief Webb and now new parliamentary leader has put his, uh, hats in the ring mm. to perhaps even stand mm. for DA, um, leader. What are some of the things he perhaps needs to do to get the DA back in the good graces of the nearly mm. 400,000 people who, uh, left the party in the last election?
2: Look, I think that you tr- you want to try and bring in your detractors, um, and you want to, you want to reassure them that there is a place for them. And, uh, That's that's the one thing that's quite difficult, but it's 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 not about marginalising them. But if you can't, you've got to You've got to you've got to get rid of them because they'll just muddy your waters.
1: All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick ad break, and when we come back, more chat on the IRR show. Hi FM, your station of choice since two thousand and eight. Hello, welcome back to the IRR show With Big Daddy Liberty and Sara Ghan Sara, we are going to chat to a, um, a very awesome chap I always call him that um, That's the Centre of Risk Analysis Chief Economist Ian Crookshan, but f- before we get to him mm-hmm. um, How do the folks reach us If they want to take part in the conversation? Okay, the
2: studio number uh, Is 010 140 3020 If you want to go Through Telegram, it's 061-895-1019, and then the good old SMS, 34519.
1: Please let us know what you're thinking. Absolutely. And, um, what you'll be thinking about, hopefully, will be around the issue of mining in South Africa, the mining industry. Um, as you guys know, the mining industry is the mainstay of the South African economy, or it used to be at least. Um, but essentially, you know, when you think South Africa, you still think mining. You know, we have some of the deepest mines in the world. Um, and a veritable plethora of minerals that we extract from the ground and we sell to the rest of the world. Um, what I want us to chat about here today is twofold. One, the mining industry and its decline. Um, this has been this has had real a real world impact, if you will, on South Africans and so far as job job numbers and we'll have Ian talk to us about that, but also the mining industry looking forward into the future. What does it need to do to get back into the black, so to speak? Because it's been in um under severe strain, uh, and essentially debt. Mm-hmm. And of course, How do we bring in entrepreneurs into the sector? But without further waffle, let me bring in my (laughs) guest here. Ian Crookshanks, Minier, good morning. How are you doing?
0: Good morning. It's good good to be with you.
1: Fantastic. Um, Ian, we... We, uh, of course, for those who are uninitiated, we, we often have chats on our other platform, The Daily Friend. And we've spoken a lot about various industries and various sectors that are – right now, when we look at the economy, are going through a really tough time. Mining is no different, isn't it? It's tough times in that industry. Ian?
0: How tough is it? There used to be a half a million people employed in the mining industry. We're down to 100,000. Yeah. That sums it up, doesn't it? That is a bloodbath. It's not just people who've lost their jobs people who have lost the ability to eat regularly, mm. because every miner uh, supports, on average estimated, five other people now, if you take that into account the mining industry has let, left a lot of hungry people, hungry people become angry angry people s- have social uh, uh, un- uprising and this is what we're heading for mm. that is what the the, the the decline of the mining industry has led to and will lead to to a greater extent
1: uh, yeah. There's a a grand story to be told about the South African mining industry, and at the heart of it is two pressure points. The one is, um, I suppose, the the softening of prices internationally for commodities mm-hmm. in, in, in certain, of course, sectors or of the mining sector. But the other one, the real story, is the constrictive policy environment that is faced by miners. Talk to us about this. Yes, it's constricted policy environment.
0: Well, first of all, let's just look at that environment from a natural point of view. The mines... To all intents and purposes, get mined out As far as the big mining groups are concerned Mined out, what does that mean? It means that it's no longer commercially viable to have that mine operating in the way it did in the past and uh, they simply can't make a profit out of what they're extracting so what they say is all right we're just going to leave it some of these companies have disappeared they're no longer quoted on the JSE they no longer can be found as who the originators were who the last people were to operate that entity and so what has happened is they walked away from it and they've been taken over by supposedly illegal uh, organisations say. Supposedly, Well who does it belong to If you can't find the, the, the supposedly correct owners It's led to a lot of disruption It's been a led, led to crime It's been led to all sorts of disruption And loss of life uh, Just only last week The head of security At one of our major mining groups Got shot dead mm. When he was trying to defend his property Now that's a sad case But what's to be done about it
1: Look We'll definitely get to that because I think that's the other side of the story. When you have a constrictive and uncertain policy environment, it opens the door to essentially the more nefarious elements to come in and take advantage. Um, and we'll definitely get to that because I think it also speaks to, um, you know, the, uh, the, the broader issue, I suppose, of the failure of the political elite in this country mm-hmm. to, on the one hand, look after their ex- existing established mining groups, which, as you mentioned, at one point were, were, uh, Employing half a million people In the second instance Look after these companies so that they actually provide even more value They grow um, And they become ever increasingly more competitive I mean we have countries around the world Which um, produce the same Or mine the same sort of ore As we do I'll I'll look at Australia as a good example We spoke about this yesterday Where they have some of the largest open cast iron um, iron ore mines in the world Um, But the Australians look after their miners Don't they?
0: They, they do indeed, and they look after the properties as well. Yep. Um, I think what we've seen, we don't look after our potential. Mm. That is where we could have kept these industries going. For instance, not so long ago, a couple of decades, we were the biggest producer of diamonds and of gold and of platinum, and We didn't have a jewellery industry. Mm. Come on, what's wrong with planning in that case? Where's the opportunity? There's the opportunity for beneficiation to sell people to send people for instruction for education in in, in producing polished diamonds, producing uh, 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 producing. Di- uh,
1: Essentially, finished uh, products uh, such as you know jewellery, but even some of the more industrial applications. I mean, platinum, for example, is used in the is it the, the, the motor industry, in in auto catalysts, yeah. in exhaust
0: systems. Yes, that is one case where they have taken it up and r- literally run with the w- with the potential and exploited it. But even so, why did we have to get some other country mm. to produce auto catalysts when we produce the platinum? That's the main ingredient going into it. We don't make the most of our opportunities, and I think government doesn't seem to understand. Or want to understand the potential that they could be in developing in that in that way. Mm. I think it's, there's nothing more important in mining than honing the skills of those who, who,
1: who are, are are benefiting the, the end product. We, we talk a lot, Ian, about the the importance of property rights. The mining sector, of all sectors, has seen a Precipitous drop, if you will, of their ability to say we own this. This is our piece of property which we can add value to. We can extract um, iron or whatever, or really re- whatever mineral. Really, um, the um, and I'm losing my track of, of uh, my, my my thought track here. But essentially, I'm talking about the some of the regulations uh, that have gone yeah. into the mining sector, which have removed, for example, mineral rights no longer yeah. um, are being. Uh, are, uh, mineral rights are no longer owned By the mining companies themselves They've effectively been nationalized Yes,
0: they've been confiscated effectively yep. They
1: were theirs But but the thing is that uh, it needn't have
0: happened After all, we've now got this new breed Of people called uh, Zama Zamas mm. Who simply illegally it must be said have taken over those mining properties mm. and are defending them mm. why? because they can see the, the benefit of making a living from them that is the basis of entrepreneurship mm. which you were talking about just now and I think that's what, what they should be doing is let's, let's legalize these people let's say you think you can make a, you think you can make a living out of it right, have a go we're going to actually license you, and we'll give you so many years of occupation and the ability to do this within the law. Mm. That way we'll stop these turf wars that have had such disastrous consequences.
2: Ian, could I ask you, um, the let's say the international investment community has said that one of the fundamental impediments to investment in the mining industry is – or not in the mining industry, everywhere, but the mining industry in particular – B E E, affirmative action, triple B double E, the, and particularly the ownership requirements. It's an absolute anathema to foreigners. In other words, if they're going to put their money into the in this, into the sector, they have got to put their money in, knowing that they they if they, if they buy the, <laughs> the mine, they own it. They've got or They it determine law. who owns it. Yes. It's not a matter of the law and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes. And this seems to have had an enormously poor effect. On the mining sector's performance Absolutely Well foreigners are saying Establish the, the, the boundaries
0: Tell us what, what the rules are Tell us how far we can stretch But don't then come along In a year's time and say Well we wanted BE Contribution of 10% But this year it's going to be 20% Because this is a good looking business And it's doing very well And think what we can make out of it With little or no effort You're going to do it for us Well that is not acceptable To international uh, to international entrepreneurs They will say You can't keep moving the goalposts Give us the rules and regulations We will we'll agree or not And if we do We want those to be set We've got to have security of our own asset base Mm -hmm. before we can invest our shareholders' precious capital. We've got to know what those rules
2: are, and we can't keep changing them, and that's one of our biggest problems. Isn't in fact what's happening is is countries like Ghana and other countries in West Africa, irrespective of the sort of absolute stability of their political systems, are attracting the people who should be mining here (laughs) because they are absolutely clear – as to what they expect from the mining industry, and they give them the space to do their business. Absolutely right.
0: Just take Australia. Okay, we're going out mm. of our own continent. They've had a re- huge growth in their mining industry, and one of the reasons is they've set pretty strict criteria. For Foreign capital to be invested and utilised In their country, but they don't change Those regulations, Mm. they don't move those Goalposts, they say here are your Boundaries and you can work within those And they stay there for a decade Mm. Or however long, and then in that way They feel that uh, because of that Government and private sector Are looked as being partners and not As in South Mm. Africa, as enemies Mm. Mm. Now that's a big uh, step forward That they have made and we haven't haven't recognised yet
1: Mm. Ian, I'm going to come to you Now on the more specific. Now, we've, we've had this conversation before around, um, whenever there is a failure by the state to accord, uh, players in, in any industry or the market or whatever the case, property rights, you see, um, the, the, uh, if, the, the negative effects, if you will, of this. You mentioned earlier on about the rise of the Zamazamas, the Zulu really word for the, um, uh, the try tries law um <laughs> you know these are uh, a a a a ragtag group of individuals across the country who essentially spot opportunities in abandoned mines across the country and say hey we'll take the risk we'll go deep into these shops um and in an informal basis mine these shops and sell what we 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 um we bring out now none of this is regulated none of this is essentially even recognized by the state um, and because of that, we're seeing the development of criminal gangs around this. Where, you know, if you if you happen to find a very productive, uh, disused mine, you know, you, you run the risk of some other gang coming and saying, "Hey, we're going to come and take over here because we've got more guns," whatever the case may be. And you're right; there have been incidents of mm-hmm. violence that have flared up. Now, we had a conversation yesterday about how this development is almost you can attribute it. Purely to the failure of, um, protecting property rights, where, for example, if we gave these individuals the ability to come together, f- form a formal business, um, again, they can still be informal miners mm-hmm. insofar mm-hmm. as, you know, um, but a formal business, uh, and we gave them a regulatory framework which they can work in that like, accords them pr- uh, protections, um, That we would actually see the development of entrepreneurship spring up uh, And of course the state would play its role Of protecting their property rights In other words, the police would make sure That their property isn't infringed by other gangs Talk to me about the prospects then For bringing in new entrepreneurs and really formalizing these zamazamas, do they have a place in perhaps the future of mining, um, or should it be the current status quo, which is a declining industry, essentially as a sunset industry? Sunset
0: industry is the way particularly gold mining has been described for the last decade or so. Mm. Does it have to be so? No, I don't think so. Because after all, look what these zamazamas are protecting. If they can get together uh, one One kilo of gold How much is a kilo? Think of two blocks of butter Mm. 700,000 rand Mm. is the value Mm. So there's something worth protecting And that is why On on, on, on a a heist that we had uh, over the weekend There were a couple of kilos taken That's running into millions Mm. of rand Mm. Now come on government get together and regulate that or reinforce reinstate mm. the regulations and do something about security mm. because if you just let it run wild you're not exploiting the natural mineral wealth of the country which could be which could be producing revenue which could be taxed and could be redeployed into creating jobs and doing all the things that we need to be doing and providing social benefits now i think that this is what government isn't realizing it's up to the formal mining sector to say hey look yes we may have walked away from it but The gold price has gone from $1,000 an ounce to $1,500 an ounce. Doesn't that make a difference? Let's re-examine our priorities, mm. and I think that this is what could be done if they could get together and say, "We'll give you official licences. We'll give you protection if the police can do that, but they must be able to." Mm. And 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 uh, and that way, we won't have these turf wars. We won't have senior people have anybody. They're all equally important mm. being shot in the back mm. uh, in the middle of the night. So yes, I think it's officialdom that are also partly to blame, but the private sector that doesn't say, hey, here's the plan. Mm. We, if we can make it work, we know <clears throat> that if we can do it together, get your approval mm. in partnerships, Not don't be enemies over the same field. Let's do that together. It could be done. It should be done. Mm. And it has to be done. Mm.
1: And, and I fully agree. Um, as we maybe look towards the tail end of the conversation, um, I want us to talk about, you know, the – the current market, uh, because there's there's two players. We've, we've essentially been having a conversation about here in terms of the mining industry. It's the established mining mm-hmm. sector, the big firms which are under a lot of strain. As you said, the cost of the input costs for them are ever rising. I mean, just importing capital equipment, for example, has become mm-hmm. very expensive yes. for them. hellishly expensive. Uh, and of course, labour costs. Which uh, I mean, we had a conversation, I think, a few months ago around how the militant unionism that they have to deal with. I mean, Amku being top of mind when it mm-hmm. comes to you know. Um, talk to me about. Let's just focus for a moment on the the, the uh, formal sector, the, the the established mining groups. What do they need to do to get back into the black?
0: Sure, uh, <laughs> they, they need to. They need also to take some initiative themselves on this private uh partnership private public partnership private sector and public sector working together they need to take the initiative and say here is a workable plan we know because we used to operate it and we can just treat it a little bit and be able to uh, to start again not to start again to, to recover and carry on where we left off um, I think what they have to do is uh, establish confidence in their own industry, this way reinvest some more, more of their capital don't turn their back and walk away that's very unproductive but they've also got to get government on side and say we've got to do it together and i think that's the primary concern of course we've got to look after the sanctity of life uh, the 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 uh, the re- guaranteed returns uh, to investors and also th- things like for instance electricity the biggest mm. p- the biggest service provided to the mining industry is electricity now we've had foreign investors say you've got to go gu- guarantee us three things security of assets second uh, a constant reliable Cost effective mm-hmm. electricity supply. You said you can't come to us and say we're having a nineteen percent increase this year and we'll look at it in the middle of the year and see if we can do some more. And then we'll have another nine percent. Hey they can't operate within those sort of pressures on their margins. We're driving those people who have established formal structures out of, out of, away from their own industry, and I think that that is a problem. So if we could establish that and get Labour to understand, yes, we want them to earn more. We want them to be able to afford a decent, reasonable standard of living, but there's a straight line. Productivity and reward And until the labor understands Do more for, labor, for, for productivity You'll get more on the reward side These have to be established
1: Absolutely and guys we're going to go to a quick outbreak But we will keep Ian with us for the next segment As we open it up to you guys Give us a call in studio at zero one zero one four zero three zero two zero, Or send us a telegram at zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. IFM Fm one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life guys, welcome back to the show. as I said again, we still have the chief economist at the Center for Risk Analysis, Mr. Ian Cruikshanks, with us in the studio as we look to the last ten minutes of our chat and we look to the future. What, what does the future of mining look like both for the established guys, you know the, the big names that we know of the Anglos, the um, Sibanians, et etc, et etc, and of course. New entrepreneurs. Um, you know, Zama being one, you know, a very informal sector, but surely they have a space that they can also grind out, excuse the pun in the mining sector. Guys, if you want to get involved in the conversation, as I said, find uh call us, excuse me, on the studio number zero one zero one four zero three zero two. O or a telegram at 061-895-1019 or hey, if you're old school like me, send us an SMS at three four five one nine. In as I come back to you, uh, there, there really is a conversation to be had about uh, the the importance of making sure that our mining sector remains uh, or it gets back, if you will into a healthy state. And as I said in my, in my sort of, um, my, my introduction here, there's, there's two major groupings we're talking about here. The established mining groups who are, you know, being buffeted by not only local, a local, uh, constrained policy environment, but also international winds insofar as fluctuating prices, et cetera, et cetera, and rising costs. But also these new entrepreneurs, you know, who I actually am a firm believer in, you know, as a guy who's very pro-market, um, and pro-free markets on things, I actually support the rise of these entrepreneurs, people who are willing to take risk, um, you know, plumb the depths of these disused minds and, um, and bring some ore out for them, uh, you know, to benefit. I'm a firm believer in also supporting these guys. So very, Briefly, in the next sort of uh, seven minutes, let's talk about these two um, interest groups. The established minings, we sort of touched on them. There is a story to be said about them uh, investing more in capital and machinery, isn't there?
0: There is indeed. Now, let's look, and, and the refrain often is, but it takes so much money, it's possible to find it. Let's look at what's happened to people like Patrice Mazeppi. He's built a whole new mining company, mining group, diverse operations, global operations, started it on his own from his legal practice. Let's look at Cyril Ramaphosa. Going from the private to the public sector He had a lot of time in the mining And t- closely associated with the mining industry He's now the president of the country That shows what can be done From small beginnings And I think that uh, on the other extreme Of course you mentioned the Zama Zamasamas But why can't they invest themselves What are they investing? Their time and effort And sweat and toil And that way they're going to get in due course Build up a base from which they can get Big returns
1: be- Before we get to the Zama Zamasamas Because I want us to focus a little bit on them um, you know, we, we talk about South African mines being some of the deepest in the world mm-hmm. I mean, you were actually making the point before the break Which is, maybe it's time for us to consider um, Ever increasingly, especially for the more deeper uh, cast mines um, You know, just m- sending machinery down there As opposed to human lives um, Is there an appetite for, from for this in the mining industry That you've discernibly picked up?
0: Well, we don't know until we've actually been there. Yep. But yes, uh, there is still uh, mining being done four kilometers underground. Yep. Now, the, the challenges there, heat mm-hmm. is absolutely enormous to the extent that you can't send people down there. If you have to put them in heat-proof overalls, they won't be able to move. Mm-hmm. But they don't need to do too much to exert too much energy because mining is going to be done by remote control. There's going to be an operator sitting at ground level mm-hmm. and he's going to be directing machinery Kilometers below him, away from him. It, it is being done. Starting operations are being done. It needs massive capital. Mm. It needs massive development uh, to the extent that we've now got to find, uh, to cope with this heat, you've got to have one shaft for people and, and goods to go down and another one to look after the air conditioning. Mm. Now, you know, this is just shows the type of, of diversity of interest there is. But more than anything else, it needs confidence and capital. Um, but,
2: you know, to, to equally dispersed between the two And I would say what it doesn't need Is opposition from trade unions That did not move with the times you, Things do change People do lo- lose jobs when things change It's, it's unfortunate And it's uh, inevitable But it ultimately leads It can lead to improvement But what you have with, the, with this very deep mining Is you, you cannot put people down those no. mines And unions will be the first to demo- say You cannot because it's too unsafe and yet they will resist to their core the mechanization. So one way or the other, they are not going to benefit, their members are not going to benefit, but the mining the – uh, South Africa is not going to receive the, the taxes that could come from exploiting those very, very deep mines. Surely,
0: Common sense should prevail Common sense. But, but we know that it doesn't always And that's a, that's a sign of an immature society mm. But I think we must get there In due course, and it's starting to happen now The miners th- themselves are saying "No, I'm sorry, we're not going on strike mm. We've got a family or two families to feed yeah. and, and we've mm. got to take care of those responsibilities And we can't afford We simply can't exist Without our regular pay The, the rule nowadays is no work, no pay well, that That's not unfair mm-mm. And that has to that has to be accepted, not just by the workers themselves, but by the unions. I think there may be some move towards that. It needs to be sooner rather than later.
2: I think, th- I think what's happened, is, is we've had that moment to some extent, after sort of a decade-odd of violent strikes, uh, and they're, very, they, they're a real problem in the mining industry, because and they also involve huge numbers of people. But, um, it was earlier this I'm losing track, but late last year, early this year, AMCU, which is an aggressive union, and, t- and took Power away from NUMSA, uh, from no. NUM, sorry, the National Union of Mine Workers and NUMSA, mm. uh, cause they're all, also in the industry. They, they got their membership to strike for five months without mm. money, cause you don't get paid yes. when you strike. And the mining company did hold out. And although it did provide certain benefits during that period, but, fi- but the wage increase they went on strike for did not improve in that period. And I think that more than anything, sort of has turned a little common sense and reality in. That's right. The only beneficiaries
0: were the the loan sharks. Of course. Charging obscene amounts of interest. And the the miners have said, hey, we can't live this way Mm. any longer. No, you won't be our representative. We hope that's the next thing they're going Mm. to
1: say. Mm. Ian, in our last minute of the show, um, the top three... Recommendations from you to turn the ship around What do we need to do to make the mining environment Profitable again and competitive Top three uh, solutions First of all
0: we have to make South Africa appear To be a desirable investment destination For uh, domestic and foreign funding Hmm. And until we can show that we're not going to get that funding, but that is the primary example. We have to make ESCOM work. Mm. That's the prime thing, mm-hmm. and we have to make the unions understand we're here in a partnership between their, themselves and, 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 uh, and the private sector. It's got to be done. If that happens, we'll get an inflow of capital. We can re- re- reinvent this whole industry and re-employ those half a million people who've <laughs> lost their jobs.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, any word on as maybe as a final final thought labor itself what should the state be doing to make it easier to hire and fire individuals maybe in the sector
0: well i think the labor legislation has to be adjusted because of what you've just said yeah. we've got to
1: get we, we cannot go
0: the way of minimum wages yeah. speak to the workers themselves hey uh, a loaf of bread is better than nothing at all a half a loaf is better than nothing at all mm. and and yes that sounds tough but there are a lot of people who are close to starving who have got to be looked, who have got to be given some sort of social benefit, and government's the only one that can do that.
1: Absolutely. Ian Crookshanks from the Center for Risk Analysis, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for listening to the show. We'll see you after the short break as we close up. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Guys, welcome back to this last few minutes of the IRR show. I hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed that chat with Ian Cruickshines from the Center of Risk Analysis about the mining sector. Remember, you can still send your comments, including to our social media, um, profiles such as mine. You can find me on Big Daddy Liberty on both Facebook uh, Twitter and YouTube. Just search Big Daily Liberty. But Sarah, in these last few minutes, um, what are some of the items that we are asking our listeners to look out for this week?
2: Well, we we're looking ongoing on an ongoing basis at the National Health Insurance Bill. Um, we make no bones about how appalling it is and how unaffordable it is, and. We are, and essentially it's rolling on because it, it involves a range of players. It's not just about individuals being affected, mm. but it's, a, it's about companies in the, okay. in the, um, medical space. And I can't offhand remember, but there was, there, there's a company that has been taken to task for demanding of its membership that they support NHI. And it's an individual choice. It is not for the company There's also been a, there, there, there seems, the impression I get broadly is that a lot of companies in the medical space are um, taking a very sort of softly, softly approach and, you know, the government's doing this. We don't want to upset government, etc. But I believe very, very strongly that those, those – most of those companies will be decimated by NHI. Yeah,
1: when it comes to the NHI, I really want you guys to pay attention to some of the content I'll be putting out this week. Actually, I'll be putting out an episode uh, where I took to the streets of Cape Town and I spoke to ordinary Cape What what would what system would you prefer to see? More power and more resources into the hands of politicians and bureaucrats, or really the power and resources being placed in your hands for you, the ordinary citizen, the mama, the baba in the household, to have the power to choose where you buy your health insurance. So you you can find that on the Big Daily Liberty Show. Just uh, find it on YouTube or any of my social medias. And that episode will come to you on Wednesday. Remember, if you like a lot of the content that we're producing uh, here on the IRR Show, how about you find us on the Daily Friend website? That's www dot, friend, dot A lot of our writers and analysts um, are on there And they provide news, analysis and opinion On all these sort of issues Through the lens of classical liberalism Sara, as we say goodbye um, Next week on the show We're going to be chatting about the Common Sense uh, uh, Campaign that we spoke about earlier on And we're going to have Marius Ruet From the IRR uh, We
2: will, and uh, Marius is a fairly passionate And uh, lively <laughs> uh, guest but the funny thing is, it struck me that we're having a campaign on common sense. Mm. I mean, who would ever think you'd have to, actually have to put in the, into the public domain the idea that we've got to promote common <laughs> sense, and and in a way that we do, because the the, 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 the political environment ha- further and further and further and further move, tries to move us away from common sense, and all <laughs> our research shows that. People are common sense, oh. and that, and, and the beauty of it is, our research, and I discovered a, a sort of more, shall we say, lefty organisation was doing research on on a, on a matter, and they placed uh, things like race and land and land reform right at the bottom of the list of concerns. The, the politicians are somewhere else. I'm not entirely sure where the politicians are, but they're up there somewhere. But the people are on the ground practicing common sense.
1: Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Remember, you can find us online at www.dailyfriend.co.za and search for Big Daddy Liberty on all your social medias. We'll see you guys next week.